0: Should be good to go. Ready to go. We like to keep it interesting around here. Like to make sure you're paying attention, haven't gone to sleep or anything like that. And um, we know that some of you haven't seen this kind of teaching before. Uh, And we did it last Sunday, those of you here for last Sunday, and some of you saw it for the very first time. And uh, just say that uh, we've we've done this on multiple occasions, but last Sunday was the first time for a little while, and uh, we're doing it again today. And how we came across this was, we thought we'd bring you into our house. Basically, that was how we got to do this because I thought you were going to say COVID. Well, it was kind of in COVID thing, but also this is what this is this is what we do at home. This is the conversation and. and one day, I think it was during the COVID thing, we thought, why don't we just have this conversation in front of the church um, and bring everyone into the conversation and how it unfolds. So that's, that's what we're doing. And last week we spoke about becoming uh, mature and complete in Christ. And I don't know about you, but I feel much more mature and complete uh, one week later. How are you doing? Did you all, you're doing well in your household? Give yourself, you know, top grades or hopefully... Do One of the things about maturity is that uh, you under, when you know you 're becoming mature, when you understand why God has said to do certain things, that is one of the indications of maturity it 's uh, knowing God and why He has said for us to do certain things and there 's lots of times in the scriptures where where God speaks to His people and he says things. Such as Deuteronomy 6, 1 and 2, he says, These are the commands, decrees and laws. The Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that, so there's the why, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so you may enjoy long life. Okay, so today we want to do a why we do conversation. And as you can see, it could be a bit of a head turner for some of you. And, uh, and this is about why we do things as a church. Every, every local congregation has, has things it does. Uh, that, uh, and they have reasons for the way they, why they do those things. And we have things as well. We call these distinctives. Distinct things that God has spoken to us about how where to be as a congregation. We don't necessarily think they always apply to every single local congregation around the earth, although lots of what we're going to share this morning we do think they would benefit from. So uh, the three questions we're asking this morning is why do we and the three questions are why do we have a sacred assembly? Why do we celebrate the biblical festivals? And why do we have house churches? And those things are on the screen behind me. And all these things are about to happen, house churches, aren't they, Julie? Yeah.
1: House churches uh, next week. Okay, next so Sunday. don't come here. Mm. Don't come here uh, next week. Uh, there are house churches functioning next week. And if you haven't registered for a house church but you want to be, um, the next intake is in October. And yes, we need more houses and hosts. Okay, yes, you so do. contact us if you can help with that.
0: Thanks, Julie. It's excellent. Before we go into the details of answering these questions, I want to put it in the context of our mission because it's important that you understand what our mission is and these are mission-driven activities. So all those things, sacred assembly, biblical festivals, house church, they're mission-driven because our mission is to make disciple-makers and so they contribute to that. They're things that we do collectively uh, to help us grow as disciples of the Lord Jesus So that we all become disciple-makers. So that's the end goal. It's not just that you'll be a disciple, but that you'll be one who can make disciples. You'll become mature and complete. And the phrase that we use uh, around here is we talk about that you are able to uh, disciple a curious and motivated non-Christian to Christ. So someone who's curious and motivated... I uh, want to learn about Jesus and you can disciple them to Christ and help them on that journey to become mature and complete. So that's the big picture. So keep that in mind all the time. As we go into some of the details, make sure you can pan back and go, okay, the driver underneath all of this is make disciple makers. Can you say that? Make disciple makers? Yeah. Can you say, I am a disciple maker? And can you say that with integrity? Good. Well done. All the parents, you are making disciples of your children first and foremost. That's where it all begins. All right. So why do we have a sacred assembly? We're going to talk about... Well, what is it, Wayne?
1: I mean, some people will be here for the first time today. They will.
0: Mm. Oh, we've got it on the screen there. So oh,
1: there you
0: go. There we go. <laughs> so, Sacred Assembly, it's an annual 21 days of gathering, praying, fasting. Yes. And we're fasting and we're praying and we're gathering for God's mercy in crisis and the outpouring of His Spirit on the earth and the return of Jesus the King. And
1: just to say, Wayne, a little comment about fasting. I was yeah. just thinking as you were saying that. Mm. Isn't it interesting how fasting has become a really popular thing to talk about lately? Have you noticed that? The yeah. health benefits. The health benefits yeah, of, of fasting. Nice mm. And, I mean, God knew all this, right? But And it's also, mm. we know, and it's been our personal experience, but when you fast food... Now, there's many other things you can fast, but let's talk about food because yeah. in the Bible when it says so fasting, fasting it, means it means food.
0: Don't eat food.
1: Sorry, everyone. It yes. means food.
0: Yep. So
1: um, so we're talking about that. And what we've experienced actually is that when we fast food, it can be hard, but as you learn to do that, hmm. whether it's once a week or you know whatever your routine is, the appetites of the flesh, right, the, what, what What can you say? The lusts of the flesh are subdued. Let's put it that way. Yeah,
0: that's a good way to put right? it. Right?
1: Yeah. The lusts of the flesh, the things that we see with our eyes, oh, I want that. The things that, oh, I want to eat that, oh, I want that. And actually, it's not because we have need, but it's because I see, I take, I have. That's... The lust of the flesh. Mm. Those things are subdued through regular food fasting. Little tip.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. The thing, one of the things that I notice, particularly when we go on an extended fast, is that you, you can walk past beautiful displays of food without salivating. <laughs> it's kind of like you're just not, just not interested in it. But when I'm not fasting, I'm really interested. <laughs> In, in good food and um, for, it's interesting also what it does in terms of shopping malls as well you become impervious to, to the seduction of the shopping experience and I, and I say that I'm not a particularly good shopper uh, but um, so you're saying if you're a shopaholic fast food Yeah, fast food, it'll break your addiction addiction to shopping. It seriously does. It really works. Actually, when I wasn't feeling well weeks ago and I was um, resting at home, I caught an episode of Dr Phil and... um, (laughs) Well, you probably saw it. You know what I'm going to say. He was actually talking to people who um, uh, influence people to buy things and how they actually got... Really hooked in to this, so we talk about them as social media influencers. But they're talking; these people have become addicted themselves to buying things and purchasing things, and every day they're checking social media and they're buying stuff, and their house is filling up with stuff that they don't need and that they don't use, and they've got a problem. And it's kind of so. This whole thing. One of the things I love about Sacred Assembly, it's it gives us this opportunity, like a big reset for my life. Um, and I think my life is, is fairly ordered and structured, but I find that sacred assembly, this 21-day this period, really helps uh, establish me uh, deeper in, in these realities. And that's why I love it. I've become to really love it. And this is what the prophet Joel talked about in Joel 2. When he's talking about God's strategy for a crisis, Joel 2, 12-17... You'll need to look this up in your own Bible. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Look, that's a key phrase in the Bible. Return to me with all your heart because our heart drifts. That's, that is the reality. We live in a world that is not God-centered and is, and is m- trying to move us and our heart in a diff- to be attached to things that aren't God. And so this, the, the continual thing for God, the invitation is return to me with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning. And they're all good signs. Actually, one of the things that I find as a good indicator of how tender my heart is to the Lord and to people is when if I'm reading a scripture and I'm stirred to weep, I'm praying for people and I begin to weep for them. I know that my heart is tender. And it's that place that the secret assembly helps me to live in. So Joel goes on, verse 13. Tell your heart, not your clothes. Return to the Lord your God, for he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing Grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. And then, so here's the practicalities. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, and call a sacred assembly. And that's really what we're doing here. We've begun to blow the trumpet. we began to say, get ready. We need to gather together. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders. Gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. So it's basically the cry is everybody, no one has an excuse. No one has an excuse. You can't say, hey, I'm getting married. Nope, sorry, you're in. You know, can't say, I'm feeding my baby. Nope, you're in. Uh, none of us, are without excuse, I've got to mow my lawn. Nope, you're in. Um, or whatever other things they be. And then Joel goes on and says, Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar, which is to stand in the central place between the altar and where people enter. Let them stand there and let them weep. It's interesting, isn't it? And let them say, and this is their prayer, spare your people, Lord. Don't make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say? Where's your God? That verse fourteen has been particularly um, stirring me this week. Actually, it was verse seventeen. Sorry, this thing of been crying out, saying, "Lord, spare your people." Why is it that your church has become a byword? Your people have become a byword, a swear word, something that's seen as in the way that it is, as scorned. The church is scorned by many people. So the Sacred Assembly is this wonderful annual. Giant reset. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because um, Wayne and I have been stirred again by the book of Joel. Now, we haven't taught the book of Joel for a while, but we used to teach it quite a lot. Yeah. And we were very familiar with it. And we feel like, we feel like God is um, just going, look at this again. It's time, time to, to, revisit to
0: revisit the yeah.
1: book of Joel. And <clears throat> so Joel um, it's three chapters. It's not a big book. It's like you know Habakkuk, not a big book. These little minor prophets, they're called minor prophets, not because their message is small, but because they're small in content. Yep. Um, so Joel is most likely prophesying 30 or 40 years before the Babylonian invasion. Habakkuk, and we studied Habakkuk a couple of years ago, um, that was much closer, like it was imminent, the crisis. Um, but here we have... Uh, Joel prophesying, and and there's a lot that we can get from this book, there's a lot that we can gain from his message, understanding the context for Israel, because it's always, there's always something going on for Israel, and then there's always... Um, Uh, You know, when the prophets prophesy, there's a a now situation. There's usually an imminent or future situation. And then there'll be an ultimate situation. um, And it's important to understand that. Well, Joel is the same. Um, So you've got chapter one of Joel. So he's talking about an economic crisis has hit the land. Right? Essentially, that's what it is. Chapter two is like, and now there's a military invasion and this army is fierce. They're fierce. They're going to take captives. They're not going to worry. They're dedicated. They're very focused, this army. And then chapter um, 2, we also have the response, which is what Wayne read there. So what do you do when you see Christ is coming? Mm. And he goes on. He says, this is what you do, what you read. And then chapter 3... Well, it's actually starting in chapter 2, but then Joel projects to the end of the age because when you read chapter 3, you can see, oh, these things have not come to pass. He's talking about a future time. So you have all this being tied together, and it's tied together so that when we read it, we see the context for Israel, we see what the Lord did when the, the Babylonians invaded them, ah, but... We see that there's yet a time coming when there's going to be a similar crisis, but not just crisis if we read that, there's Mm. also going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And these things are going to, they're going to reach a peak together Mm. and we're going to be ready. Why are we going to be ready? Because we've understood the message We've read the prophetic scriptures and we've been preparing ourselves. Yeah. We were talking this morning. I said, Duane, it's just, like, it's just like lockdown drills and fire drills at the school, right? Every school has to do these for obvious reasons. There may be a very, very small chance that a gunman is going to come in or that a fire is going to go through. But that little small chance became a reality a couple of months ago, didn't it? First time in Western Australia. And everybody was rocked. And no one was even killed. We were just shocked that this had happened Hmm. in a school in our state. And I can tell you there were schools that dusted off their drill policy and started doing them. And this is kind of like, this is like the book of Joel. Yeah. And you were talking about, in you know, 9-11, Wayne, this morning.
0: Yeah. Some of you are old enough to remember the Twin Towers. Um, <laughs> with terrorists flew planes into them in New York City. That was September um, 11, 2001. How many of you remember that? Some of you remember that. You probably got the images burning your brain. And... Um, uh, um, I think it was one of the stockbroking firms that was on the 70th or 80th floor of one of those towers. They had had a man in their staff who was their uh, drill trainer, so to speak. And he would just randomly at different points in the day walk in with a megaphone into the office and go, get out, there's a fire, now you have to leave, get your gear, get out of here, right? Now he'd been doing that repeatedly for years and they would have to go down the fire escape 70 or 80 floors to, to the street. That was, you know, to the muster point, do all that. They were doing that for years without the need for it. On September 11th, 2001, the day that they needed it, that whole... Um, There were three floors of of that company. They all made it safely out because they all knew exactly what to do. They knew what they could take, what they couldn't take from their desk, where the fire exits were, where everything was, and they just went about it and they went out and they got out and they mustered at the appropriate point because they were prepared. And so this is one of the key things that we're saying about sacred assembly is this is actually preparing us for something that's to come, which is both that crisis yeah. and outpouring of the Spirit. And the outpouring of the Spirit, don't don't think the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not going to provoke a crisis in our land. It is going to... When the Holy Spirit comes with power, as prophesied in the book of Joel, it is going to be a day of crisis.
1: Valley of Jehoshaphat.
0: Yeah, Valley of Decision. The valley of Decision. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's right.
0: So when we think about crises, one of the... You know, we have, some of us have got you know lots of personal crises or even just one personal crisis at the moment. But if you think about it, the earth has a crisis. I'm not talking climate change. The crisis of the earth is that God is not ruling the earth, on earth as he is in heaven. That is our biggest crisis. Jesus is not honoured as the only one worthy of worship on the earth. He's not. Worship's being given to all sorts of humans and lesser gods. Mm. So that is a crisis. Mm. As, and then you add to that things such as nations at war, mm. uh, political strife, turmoil, conflict, famine. And then you yeah. bring it down into the more localized level of families in turmoil. Yeah. And you go, do we need a sacred... Really? Mine and Julie, do we really need a sacred assembly? Yeah. Do we? Yeah. I
1: was on the, the World Food uh, Programme website, and I'll just <coughs> I'll read you something <clears throat> from uh, just a quote from their website. The scale of the current global hunger and malnutrition crisis is enormous. World Food Programme estimates, from 79 of the countries where it works and where data is available, that more than 345 million people face high levels of food insecurity in 2023. That is more than double the number in 2020, and this contributes a staggering rise of 200 million people compared to pre-COVID-19 pandemic levels now, you can read a whole bunch more stuff on there. But, so that's 2023 stats. Yep. In 2023, just a couple of months ago, this article was going around, and I'm sure some of you read it, and I'll just quote to you. According to the Telegraph...
0: Which is a media yep. new, newspaper. Newspaper. It used to be a newspaper, now it's a website. Yep.
1: Ireland is reportedly considering doing what? Who knows?
0: Making more Guinness. <laughs>
1: They are considering killing 200,000 cows in the country to meet the European Union's climate targets. Not everyone is a fan of this method. That's what it says. I didn't make that up. That's what it says in the article.
0: It's foolishness. No.
1: Are we not in crisis? Yeah. Uh, The world?
0: Killing food source...
1: Killing food source when people are starving, mm. have we not gone?
0: We're drunk. This we're is drunk. this is what we're Revelation
1: drunk. talks yeah. about the drunkenness. Mm. We are drunk on all kinds of stuff, thinking mm. that you know, self righteous thoughts oh, we are going to contribute towards blah 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 blah. Yeah. Well, there were many people who spoke out against this and said this nonsense has got to stop. But you can see, right? You can see the ideologies that have been put forward. People, our world is in crisis. This is exactly the context. Now, I don't think we're 30 or 40 years out. I think we're somewhere between, if you like, Joel and Habakkuk in terms of timeline. Hmm. But it could happen suddenly. Much quicker than we think. You know, the tip of the iceberg and then mm-hmm. psh, the iceberg comes. Mm. You know, this is completely biblical. Mm. And so the book of Joel provides us with like a like a manual,
0: mm.
1: all right, how to be preparing, like a drill that we rehearse. And when we do that, we teach our children, don't we?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whatever we do, we pass on to our children. Whatever we teach them from the scriptures, that's what they learn. Mm. And even people around us learn. And they ask questions. Maybe there are people in other churches around us also who might ask those questions. Mm. But it's very, very clear that... This, these things are going to happen again, but on a global level. The Bible is very clear. If you have read the Bible and you've read biblical prophecy, its you can't miss it, actually. You can't miss it. But that's the point of gathering in sacred assembly. Every year New Life, we remind ourselves, and we go back to some of these core passages, and we say, Lord, teach us. We don't mm-hmm. want to be, you know, found, you know, what Jesus said, you know, when you build your house on the rocks, So don't build your house on sand like the, you know, the foolish man. And when the wind comes, it blows over. We want to be ready and not just for ourselves. Yep. We have a responsibility. We know. God has spoken to us many times that part of the function of this church and the gift to the body of Christ is that we are forerunners and we blow the trumpet. And when we're talking about sacred assembly, biblical festivals and house church, these are all things that the Lord has steered us into. We believe it's preparatory and that it's a sign of the times. And perhaps, Wayne, looking at the time, we just transition right, there so. from Sacred Assembly to biblical festivals. But I just want to say... Oh, I just want to yeah, say yeah. how to
0: prepare. Oh. Sorry?
1: How oh, to yeah, prepare. good
0: one. Did you say, how, yes. do you, how yes, to prepare. Do one of the great things about doing Sacred Assembly is that we do it together. It's a collective thing. And so you have permission. And so when people say, what are you doing and why are you doing it? You go, well it's our church, we're all doing it, we're all fasting, we're all praying, we're all gathering. So here's some practical ways that uh, you can all prepare. Number one is commit wholeheartedly that you're going to do it. That's, it. That's where it all starts and ends, at that point right there. It'll fall over if you don't commit wholeheartedly. You'll, you'll stagger around and then it'll be over and you'll think, oh, I missed it. It's like, so it's today, commit wholeheartedly. Um, then reserve those dates, September 4th to 25th, uh, for the Lord. That's what you're doing. You're going, hey, these days belong to the Lord. So if you got a calendar, you're going through and you're crossing these days out, and it's like these are set apart for the Lord, and you're writing sacred assembly across the pages in your diary, you're beginning to decide now, what food am I going to fast? What foods, what days am I going to fast? Am I fasting one meal a day, two meals a day? Am I going to do a three-day water fast? Uh, what, am I, what am I going to do? And, and that's A three-day water fast is a good way to begin the sacred assembly. It's really rugged. It's painful. It's demanding on you. You feel weak and helpless, and that's part of what fasting does. It connects you to the fact that you are not in control. That's one of the, the, the gifts of fasting is finding out, hey, I'm, I, there's really little I can control in my world. Uh, And you need to write that down, what you're going to do. Uh, You need to plan when you're going to come into the prayer room. So it's one thing, cross out the days in your diary so that people call you for coffee or meals. You say, sorry, not available on those dates, but I can do it here in October or whenever else you want to do it. So you want to plan when you're going to be in the prayer room. You want to put those dates in the diary. And you want to talk about this as a family as well. Mm -hmm. When are we going to do this as a family? So... Mum might have a schedule, Dad might have a schedule uh, and we've got a schedule as a family and there'll be some sets and the, the rhythm will be coming out but it, uh, it's going to be, the prayer is going to be open from 6 in the morning till 9 o'clock at night, Monday to Friday, 8am to 4pm on Saturday and some of those sets will be specifically uh, structured for uh, people to bring children and as there'll be daily readings that will come to you uh, Closer to the date, you'll get a booklet with the, them all in, and they'll also be drip-fed to you on a daily basis on email. And all of those. And in this in this year, we're actually got a focus on the book of Daniel, which is going. To, and the Wednesday women who are doing the study on Daniel seven, and the Watchmen who are doing the study on Daniel seven, are going to nail these daily devotions. They're going to be all over it. Yep. But they've. They're brilliant. Mm. They're well written. Yeah. They, were, they were a gift to us uh, from uh, one of the leaders at Burning Hearts House of Prayer in, in mm-hmm. Singapore. Mm. Yeah.
1: So the sacred, se- the sacred Assembly starts on the 4th of September, but then it runs into what we call the Sukkot Biblical uh, Festival season or mm. the Shelters mm. Festival season, yeah. which starts on the Hebrew calendar date of. Tishri 1, the first day of the month of Tishri, that's trumpets. 10 days later is Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, thank you. Um, And then the the final one is on the 15th, commences with shelters, all right, or Sukkot, yeah, uh, for the Hebrew word. So, um, you know the this season, so it 's an extended we, we our sacred assembly starts on the fourth and it moves into trumpets, which is blow the trumpet, sound the alarm kind of mm. imagery, and we finish on the day of atonement, which is a, a for Israel that's mm. their national it's their highest holy day it's their national day of fasting um, and you know for the, for the nation for their for their own. Sins. Um, it's been on the calendar. When God gave these festivals to his people, he didn't say, Israel, these are yours.
0: Hmm.
1: It'd be a good idea if you did he says, These are my
0: hmm.
1: appointed seasons. Yeah. They're mine. Yeah. And I'm giving them to you because you're my people. To rehearse them. Because hmm. you're gonna be a light to the oh, nations gosh, around you. You're different. Hmm. So I'm giving you my festivals, and I'm telling you you're to celebrate them. Do you see them hmm.
0: see them's read that yes yeah so yeah. from leviticus twenty three one to four the Lord said to Moses, "Give the following instructions to the people of Israel: these are the lord's appointed festival, so these are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as official days for holy assembly, for gathering. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest. So the Sabbath is the first one of these, these appointments. The Lord says, I want to have an appointment with you and I want to have one every week with you. And then I'm going to have some other ones That come throughout the year. In addition, these are the Lord's appointed festivals, Officials Day, to be celebrated at their proper times each year.
1: And we know because, and you know because we've studied this, that they point to Jesus. Yeah. Right? They're all pointing to Jesus, his first advent and his second advent, which is yet to happen. So very ad, significant, Advent coming. Mean? Ad, Advent means coming. First coming and so, second coming. Yeah. All right? So that's very significant for us. Hmm. That's significant for us. We love Jesus, right? We want King Jesus. We said, oh, how mm-hmm. King Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, yeah. yeah, good. I'm coming back. And these are my signposts. Hmm. So join us in that. And, the and we sacred this assemb- phrase that's yeah. on the screen a couple yeah, of years a, ago. Before you do. But sacred yeah. Assembly and Biblical Festivals... Um, uh, they, to me, I was thinking about this morning, how does Sacred Assembly and Biblical Festival, they sort of segue together. Mm. For me, I would call this a season of visitation. When I look back yeah, through my good. journals mm. every, every year, I don't journal every day all the time, but I always journal through the Sacred Assembly. And it amazes me the things that the Lord speaks to me and what I've got written down in those journals. You see, God is inviting us, right? This is a mm. season where he says, these, these are my yeah. festivals. I'm coming to meet right, with, with you. you.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, we can decide what we do with that. Say, God will know. I've got other things going on. It's really, did you know it's really busy? This is the busiest year, right? Surely God won't mind, um, you know. But you know what? Each year gets busier. And distraction is a major issue Mm. that we have to get on top of or we are going to live with some regret. So visitation, yeah, Mm. this here.
0: Well, just this phrase that we developed a number of years ago to to help us to see that these are actually God's rehearsals for God's people Mm. and to participate in God's story because we're living in God's story. And the rhythm of the festivals and sacred assembly helps us learn the story, pass it on to our children, live in the story. And because it comes around every year, each year, we, we, we grow in that. Hmm. We grow in understanding God's story and being able to talk to people hmm. about it. This is his story. This is what he's doing. And,
1: and this, perhaps, is where,
0: this is where all of yeah. history is going. Mm.
1: and And perhaps one of the major, most important you know blessings of this is this generational one, mm. same with the sacred assembly gathering. Tell this to your children, tell these things, you know pass them on, and with the festivals, tell these things, Deuteronomy um you know six, six. Uh, tell yep. your children children bind it on mm. their you know mm. hands and foreheads. This is mm. God's amazing remedy mm. <laughs> right. For these things to be passed on. You know, know, Israel is the only nation that has been dispersed into the world, right? That has retained its identity and its culture. And then they've been regathered and brought back into the land. Do you know no other nation Nation. that has been, for whatever reason, through war or, you know, whatever. Mm. Genocide. No other nation that has been dispersed throughout the world, for whatever reason, has been able to do that. Mm. For centuries has retained its culture and Mm. its teaching. And I think they've nailed this one. I think they've got this, tell it to your children and Mm. your children's children Mm. and their children after them. Mm. And this is a key that God's giving us. And when we gather It impacts all of us. Hmm. It's our whole family doing this. It's our whole family receiving the message and the warning and Hmm. the prophetic scriptures are being put in us and our children. It's so powerful. Hmm. There's a beautiful um, scripture, Isaiah 33, 6. I'm going to read it from the voice translation, but you can look up your translation Isaiah 33, 6. God will be what holds things together fast and firm during these times. He will be boundless salvation, the roots and fruits of wisdom and knowledge. Zion's most precious possession is the people's awe filled respect of the Mm,
0: eternal. That's good.
1: Isn't that powerful?
0: Mm. It's
1: powerful. We need to take note of that.
0: Hmm.
1: Take it on board. And stop justifying ourselves hmm. and our methods at God's expense. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, as I said that really well, um, I've been recently reading a book called, called The Biblical Feast and the Return of Jesus. It's just been published by a guy called Travis Snow, and I commend that book to you. And he said this and it should be on the screen behind me these holy days unlock a magnificent vision of the king of kings and his plan of salvation for his people which can anchor our souls in the midst of life's tumultuous storms even as we await their final fulfillment and our future inheritance in the age to come i thought that was a brilliant way to Excellent to summarize yeah, it very good. this vision of the king of kings mm-hmm. his plan of salvation This anchor for our souls in the tumultuous storms as we await their final fulfillment, future. Much as we love worship, Mm. and
1: we've had great Mm. worship here this morning in New Life, we are blessed with great worship, and there's Mm. great worship songs. There's more, okay? The Word of God helps us. When Mm. we come together in worship, Mm. it enriches our worship. You understand? And the biblical festivals... I remember when I was learning about when God Mm. began to download this to me in 2008, I could it was just too much to contain. It was so magnificent. I Mm. couldn't believe that all these pictures and patterns and what they spoke to was a tapestry that was unfolding in Mm. front of my eyes. It's amazing. Mm. And then we come and stand here, and suddenly all hail King Jesus is more than all hail King Jesus, if you know what I mean. Mm.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: That's where we're going.
0: Yes. Yes. So, um, just yeah, want to say that team. in the yeah. in the um, in the daily reading booklet that uh, we've prepared for this year's sacred assembly in the biblical festivals, uh, at the beginning of that is a short um, some excerpts from Travis's book, just to whet your appetite mm-hmm. and to get that going. So. We just want to wrap up with a couple of comments about House Church. House Church happens next Sunday. And some of you, you've already been contacted, well, should it be all of you have already been contacted by your House Church leader. And they've emailed you a copy of the House Church Handbook. Who's received that? House Church Handbook. Wow. Okay, House Church leaders, get with the program. And uh, make sure everyone has a copy. Just a couple of quick quotes from there. So we do house church because we are committed to make disciple makers. That's right. So and house is it just provides that context where the smaller context where we can all help one another discover and use gifts that God's given us. We can help our children discover. They can learn They can find out all these things in a close proximity, learn from one another. So, and who's house church for? Well, as we've said, we've got, uh, we're always looking for more house church leaders and hosts. And so house church is for people who are committed to New Life Church. And it's also for people... Who don't know Jesus but they're curious and motivated and want to learn more about Jesus so that's who house church is for I uh, just want to bring this to a closure today with a, with something that I read this week about being, being a consecrated person consecrated is one of those it's an old fashioned word how many of you have used consecrated in a sentence recently this week you used you, just, you talked about your life being consecrated to the Lord, wholly devoted to the Lord. We don't use it very often. But I thought this was an excellent thing. Can, could you it's on the screen? We could read it together, couldn't we? Yeah. Ready? Our secular culture fears a consecrated person, a busy, half-hearted and distracted person. It's fairly easy to manipulate. Satan fears a consecrated person. He will do almost anything in his power to dilute the pertinency of a person set on giving themselves fully to Christ. But it's hard to be a consecrated person. It's hard to give yourself fully to God when so many smaller things ask for parts of your heart. Most Christians I meet don't struggle with the idea of discipleship or the reality of Jesus' call, they struggle with something harder. They struggle to commit to all of it. Wholehearted. Let's grow as wholehearted people.